Good evening from Los Angeles, ladies, gentlemen, people who don't give a fuck. I am Holiday Kirk. You are listening to the New Metal Agenda with me tonight, Cran. Hey, everybody. The Z. What's up? Big celebrity guests in the building. We got Anthony <laughs> Staten and Dylan. Uh, Dylan, can you t- hit me with your last name? Yadov. I'll cut that out. Okay, we got Anthony <laughs> Staten and Dylan. Fuck, I just hopped off stream. Really Yo, sorry. One just, more time. You, this it's, is like the FedEx workers who come to my job every day. They're like, what's your name, bro? I'm like, you got it. And you're like one syllable away. This is exactly what I was hoping to be compared to within the first five minutes of this. <laughs> FedEx workers <laughs> to come to your job. Maybe you, I will leave this in. It's good to be humbled every once in a while. And anybody let else in here ever work for FedEx? Yes, I, I worked at I, I worked did. at the ORD branch on the ramp. I was a package handler for a little while. It's oh okay. Well, yeah, let's do a quick episode diversion, and then we can come back <laughs> to this. This is what people are way, turning um, are tuning in for. Yeah, my last name's Staten. Actually, it's pronounced. Wow, I, I fucked up both of your names. All right, yeah. guys. Well, <laughs> that about wraps it up with for me. Thank you all. Okay. Have a good night, everybody. We're gonna it's press on. We're going to press on and I will leave that in. It's a learning experience. Okay. Tonight we're discussing an album that if you are listening to this, you've probably heard. There are probably people out there actually that have not heard it and you should. This is Linkin Park's 2003 uh, Meteora, very a gravity defying album. I believe it's like seven platinum, seven million in the States, well over 10 million worldwide. I guarantee it. Uh, and while that number might be around like half of what Hybrid Theory sold, when you think of like the market for rock music and new metal in 2003, that's those are astounding numbers to be able to pull that off with a very similar style to what you had in 2000. So uh, it's coming up right on its 20th anniversary. And um, I guess what I'm wondering first and foremost is, well, you know what? You know what? Our big celebrity guests. Now, hold on. I'm sorry. Our big celebrity guests. Now, you guys got to help me out here because I thought it was just one person, but it's everyone. And it's probably like a network is that the, our big celebrity guests here co-manage the LP live Twitter account. Am I correct? Yep. That's about right. Okay. How did you guys come into that one? How did you guys get that started? Um, well, LP live started out as just a website for keeping track of Lincoln Park set lists from concerts. That was actually me and Mark, our main guy. We started that back in like 2005. And if you go back on the Wayback Machine and find our original website, it was literally just like text documents on a web page because we didn't know what the fuck we were doing. Um, but that was before like setlist.fm was a thing. And we just like keeping track of concerts and it sort of evolved from there. And then now, so you're on you're on Twitter and the Twitter account has mm-hmm. like 130,000 followers. Did it ever like blow up or did it build over the course of I actually, we we always had a big social media thing since like all these pages began popping up, and it's a, it's also interesting because I think we all have different kind of roads that brought us to LP Live. Like when they were starting it, I was only I was five years old. I didn't even know what Lincoln Park was, um, <laughs> but I, I joined when I was like twelve. I think it was like the Living Things tour. Like they had just started. The tour and i was like i heard they were playing a place for my head and i was like i gotta get in on this and then eventually i think i just became staff because they're like this kid's putting in a shift on these news posts so and then eventually we just ended up here but i don't know i think i think we boomed a lot around the time chester passed away because i think we were one of the communities who really kind of like reached out to fans and like kind of made sure everyone was doing okay 
because I think there's a big understanding of how like deeply like emotionally rooted people are with this band and we saw it a lot so I think from that point on we kind of became a kind of kind of like a safe haven for Linkin Park fans and people just interested in the history of the band and it's cool that there's still plenty to talk about like the legacy lives on even if they're not a band anymore uh anthony are you an og back in the day type fan almost i came on oh 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 wait i've got it what generation of lincoln park underground were you in three was when i joined oh lord i think when i was in there and i think i remember i remember i broke my arm rollerblading and they had to cut me out of my lincoln park hoodie and I was like, oh, and I was no. laying, oh, I was laying no. on the operating table. I was like, there's got to be a way. Is there any way? <laughs> no, I got to lose the hoodie. Oh God. So that's, that's where I go back to is around then. But, um, do LP... you remember your, your LPU username? Oh, no, no. Cause I don't think I was a part of the online contingency at all. I just got like the stuff in the mail. Oh, I had, like okay. the bonus CDs and I had like that, the letter that they send to fans. And I remember being like, Oh my God. Okay, so you never really used the forums, got it? No, I really didn't. It's a good question. Why was I on the forums? I'm sorry. I apologize. I apologize. I was a parasite. I was taking, but I was not giving back out. So, um, yeah, but you go back to LPU3, like around what year is that? So that was 2003. It was real convenient that the numbers lined up with the years. Um, there you go. It's easy to remember, but I started listening end of 2001 beginning of 2002 was when i got into them i bought hybrid theory at the beginning of 2002 and then i was you know around for reanimation and when meteora launched and everything and then it was summer of 2003 was when i got into all the online community stuff okay and uh just stuck with it all this all these years Ooh, who's seen them live i think most of us have oh yeah hopefully how many times dylan Yo, you know what's sad is I'm seeing Muse and Evanescence this weekend, and the amount of times I've seen Evanescence is going to overtake the amount of times I've seen Linkin Park. Really? Oh, man. Evie Genda in the house. Yeah, man. But I think it was going to be like eight times, but they canceled like two tours on me, so it only ended up being six times. I'm on six, too. Okay, that that makes me feel kind of good, actually. (laughs) Why did I never, like, get on that and bug my parents? I don't know... I don't know. I I fumbled bad with that one. I don't know how the hell, but now I'm at a fat zero. Uh, Cran seen them. Zee you never saw Lincoln Park, really? Oh my god! I don't want to. I don't do Not this. Not to give you shit. <laughs> don't but do I this can... to me. Don't do this to me. Do you think I don't? I don't feel the pain. Damn never it! Never got to see them either. Ah, well, I I definitely wish I could have. They had an incredible live show, but I think what we got to do is, you know, we're like. We're like 10 minutes into this and we got to ask the hard question because the people, they come to this podcast for the hard questions. I'm going to ask the hard question. Hit us. Hybrid Theory or Meteora? I'll go first. I think Meteora is a better sounding album, but Hybrid Theory's got the nostalgia factor for me. So I'm going to go with that one. Come on, I prefer Hybrid Theory because I think it's a bit more aggressive. That's what I like about New Metal. It's got like that attack. Meteora, I think, like you said, Anthony, is a bit better sounding, but it doesn't have as much angst to it. Um, I think for me, for me, it's got to be hybrid theory. I think because I kind of look at a lot of their music from a from a production standpoint, and a lot of what goes on on hybrid theory kind of impresses me more than Meteor. Meteor feels more of just like a kind of standard, like, let's strip away some of the more complicated things going on in the background and just focus on like the message. 
which is all good. It's good music all the same, but Hybrid Theory just kind of captures me a little bit more. Grand Meteora. Ugh. Uh, you know I what? like the title better, first off, and uh, <laughs> I'm I think with you on that you one. might be my favorite Linkin Park song of all time. So, Which song? Lying From You. You know what? You know what? I think I always have a very forcible opinion about these, so please, my apologies in advance, but I, def- I think Hybrid Theory wipes Meteora. I like Meteora, but to me, Meteora has always been like the, the part two. It's like a part two to Hybrid Theory, and uh, I think the production on Hybrid Theory is a lot better. Uh, similarly, and I don't want to be too harsh, but I don't like the, I don't really like the power ballad song from the inside. And I'm not too into the backpack rap song. Nobody's listening. Like those have never totally gelled for me, but I think all things considered when you're thinking of following up the, I I think it's the, like, it's gotta be like the second or third most successful debut rock album in, in, in music history. You could, you can do a lot worse, and people have done a lot worse. I think overall, it's a very, very solid album, and uh, I'd like to thank my neighbor for burning me a copy of it on a CDR with the name scribbled on it. And at the time, I was, I like, I was, I was about to say, at the time, I was in a very conservative Christian family. I still am in that family. That has not gone away. But at the time, I was as well. And uh, they were debating on whether or not I would be allowed to keep the CD because they burned it for me and I brought it home. They didn't buy it. They're like, they're like, well, where'd you get this? You can't have this. And then there was a review of it done in a Christian magazine called Plugged In. And the only song that they had as having anything bad going on was on a hit the floor, which had some some lyrics about walking on eggshells and stuff that was a little a little disturbing. And it just so happened that the burn CD version I had of that did not have that track. So I was allowed to keep it. So. Thank you for that one, Evan, or Evan's sister, whose name is escaping me right now. But um, well, honestly, "Hit the Floor" is probably one of my least favorite songs this band has ever produced. So really, I don't think you, don't think you missed out. Wow, that might be a hot take. I don't know. That's, that's a strong, that's that's a a hot strong take. one. I like that song a, a lot. Strong one, yeah. I Were used you- to feel that way, but it's actually kind of come back around and grown on me a little bit. It has recently. a cool like. It has a cool groove to it. I'll give it that. Like. It's an interesting one. I think also like it's structured pretty weird. I think that the, the this any track off this album that goes for heavy to me is like it like works. Like I think like Don't Stay is one of their best songs ever and they wrote it in drop B, which God, mm-hmm. I wish they had done a lot more of that cuz cuz my favorite Linkin Park song ever, which is With You, is in B standard played on a 7 string and like when they really went for heavy, I I think they were really good. That was like their lane. And I like the pop songs too, don't get me wrong, but they this is a band. I mean, I think that the further we go on with this band and they and they're doing their 20th anniversaries and they're releasing songs like Lost or uh She Couldn't and stuff like that, people are kind of forgetting that they were a metal band. Like their legacy mm-hmm. has kind of become really wrapped up in the nums and the in the ends. I think and, they prefer it that way. I don't know yeah. if Mike Shinoda wants to be known as a guy, as the rapper from a metal band. I think he wants to be taken more seriously as a hip hop artist. Yeah, I know. And that really bugs me is because like that was like there, what was what what made Linkin Park the miracle is it, it was was that Mike Shinoda was clever enough to be like, OK, we've had a decade. We've had the 90s happen and we've had metal and we've had rap both like make huge inroads into the mainstream. He's like, I'm just going to take those two things and make them into this like perfect combination. So I get like how, as you get older, you want to kind of like a a lot of artists want to shed the metal side of things, but that's, that's how the bands ended up the way they were, which is, you know, which, which for at least those, those two records, 
on top of the on top of the freaking world i mean this is the end of their run as like new metal's ultimate band where whereas like all of their contemporaries in like corn and slipknot were selling less by this point although i guess lincoln park worked too but you can't you can't give them shit for selling seven million I'm like oh sorry you know right. i don't know if, i don't know if warner brothers was mad at them about that so in but, that um, era they may have been that was you know uh, what good point actually and they actually sold something like eight hundred thousand copies the first week and that might have been construed as a disappointment because if you remember at the time i don't know who's who's old as fuck like i am but albums that sold less than one or 1.5 million week one were considered commercial failures which oh, is crazy no, they were not no they were not no they were not yeah. you're crazy this, you're this out is, of your mind when boy so 1.5 million 1.5 million puts you in the fucking record books okay that was like a, a moonshot the best-selling first week out new metal album ever is chocolate starfish with 1 million Eight hundred thousand is a really good number. I get where you're coming from because at the I same mean, overall, time, if you take into account pop bands and things like that, like the, the, this is right, the, the right, height right, of right. boy bandism. So, I mean, but but with Warner Brothers, Warner Brothers was already always at least for those first. Plus, keep in years. mind that they gave them eighteen months to make this album, so it probably cost them a pretty penny. Oh yeah, I mean, Warner Brothers got behind once Warner Brothers actually finally started investing in this band because it wasn't right away. They had to kind of convince the label to take them seriously. They they spent a fucking lot of money on this band. It's one of the things that I find fascinating about Meteora was it was the last time you could put out your rock album could have six singles or five singles and your record labels like here's 500 grand for every video minimum. Like what what could breaking the habit of cost? That must have cost a ton of money. They're like, we're going to fly to Japan. We're going to do a, a real anime music video with a real studio. And then we're going to fly back and edit it. It's like, you know, this is the end of an era. I, I can't think of albums having rock albums having budgets like this after this. Can anyone think of any rock album to go to have any effort put in like this? No, maybe maybe volume three Slipknot. No, I was actually about to say Coldplay. Like that was the only other thing that came to mind would have been like X and Y. But but fucking, you know, it's not the same at all. So I mean, soft rock, who gives a shit? Eh, <laughs> certainly not metal. I mean, technically. Technically, you could say Chinese democracy because it came out oh, later. Well, but... That's true. <laughs> that, they also started recording it in like 1994 or so. Right. <laughs> yeah, that was there's a dud for you. Well, I mean, it, but it also paid off in, in spades. It's it's something I've talked about before with Linkin Park is I think that Shinoda and, and company. I mean, Joe Han was directing. Joe directed. I'm looking at the singles right here. Three of these videos or four, because I know um, Mark Romanek did faint. And I yep. know Joe did Breaking the Habit. I'm trying to think of who did From the Inside. From the Inside, by the way. Mark actually... Romanek does not come cheap, so. No, no. There's right. a fifth-year budget right there. You're, like, calling him out of retirement. He's like, you know, I did Michael Jackson, right? So <laughs> I do think what's what's funny is I don't want to get too into numbers. I'm a big numbers and chart dork about this one is that, like, From the Inside kind of bombed as a single. So I don't know if, like, America or the world was ready for ballad Linkin Park yet anyway. Well, from the inside was only actually a European signal single, I believe. It, it, that video you couldn't find it on TV in the states. I don't think it was. I, I'm I'm like glancing over the Wikipedia page now. I think it was released everywhere. It did it did pretty poorly. The video, I'll tell you what though, the video for sure is is one where you're, you you come back to the album and you're like, oh, that kind of video, like who, like who to thunk and um, but you know they struck back. They did breaking the habit, and once again, it's another band that's like. I guess with that exception, that's really good at picking their singles uh, and making the hits, keeping the hits coming. 
So, sure. you know, very successful in that regard. And uh, I already said, like, because, like, I think I discovered this in hybrid theory around the exact same time. So, you know, I was in, I was experiencing both those albums at the same time. So you could only imagine how angsty I truly was. I was living. But um, let me ask you guys this, Dylan and Z. Dylan, how old are you? I I'm 23. Ah, I think I had to think about Aww. that first. This is the first am, episode we recorded. I'm not the youngest person. Oh, wow. I am. I am as old as Hybrid Theory, which is kind of crazy. So, how about you guys? When did you guys actually discover Meteora? Or maybe you guys found both albums at the same time. I, yeah, I guess you'd have to. Uh, Z, you go first. I do not know how I ended up with them on my iPod as a kid, but I just just had like half of Hybrid Theory and three songs off Meteora since like age eight in my repertoire uh i think it was figure nine numb and probably breaking the habit that was on there i literally have no clue how it could have gotten there though considering my dad's taste in metal is more like pantera type of negative stuff but ever since then i've always had a really really uh soft spot in my heart for those first few records i think it was probably around the same time that i want to say what's the one with uh when they come for me is that a thousand sons yeah it was around the same time that came out i feel like that album coming out probably had something to do with them ending up in my ipod i also might have been a little bit older than i said probably maybe like 11 or 12 considering when that album dropped but yeah uh i remember breaking the habit was like one of the first times i listened to a song and like felt stuff because i was like a child that had never experienced that from music before i was like damn this is what art is i gotta get into more of this dylan when did you find it I I feel Linkin Park was actually p- always part of my childhood because I get I guess my answer should be my aunt's answer because she's the one who would be playing it in the car when I was like three and four years old just like chilling Edison New Jersey just like figure figure nine blasting in the background I was like this kind of bumps um but I'm I think she hopped on around like the Meteora era because I remember when I was like real young like three and four like she would be popping in the meteora cd and like my uncle would be listening to it too but i think like and then i'll always say this i knew when i was like seven years old i knew the names of three songs and one of them was what i've done by lincoln park so i was so i think that they're just like one of those core bands for me growing up like they're they've always existed as i've existed and they've just kept going as i went and then I think around, they were the first concert I actually went to, too, when my aunt took me to the Madison Square Garden show on the A Thousand Sons tour. That was the first show I ever went to. And at the time, I knew, like, I knew what I've done, and I was clueless about the rest. But after that, I started listening to them more by myself, and I was like, damn, this damn. is kind of the shit right here. So I'd, And then 2012, I'd say I joined LP Live, and this all continued. Anthony, were you at like the midnight release of this album? No, I picked it up sometime that first week that it came out, though. I remember the MTV $2 bill uh, concert that they aired right around when it came out and being like, well, all these new songs are awesome. I got to go get the album. We just watched that on stream and they played only two new songs, which I thought was very. So they only played Somewhere I Belong and Faint, which I'm looking if I'm looking here at the order of singles released, I guess that's because those were the only two singles. Oh, and they opened with Don't Stay. So. Yeah. So, yeah, it was probably before Numb came out as a single. But, yeah, we just watched that one. And that that is a really, really cool concert. And was your a first lot of their old concerts are like 
like you can really there's such a different like rawness to how like you can tell like how pissed off Chester was on a nightly basis based off like how like he whipped out those screams and he's such a controlled way around it like the singing and the screaming like I can't think of any other vocalist except maybe Corey Taylor to like maintain his voice so well because people will say like oh you know later on he really he he kind of softened up and couldn't do it the same way like I don't know if I agree with that the dude was kind of killing shit from beginning to end like he was always really really consistent with with that and it's really a one in a million ability to be able to scream like that and not fucking ruin your voice after one concert so yeah for and he would do that on like a nightly basis he's like, going dude go on tour he's do, flying do on tour you fly to asia fly to europe on the same week i'm like imagine like people will say that and then forget like he's also like a human being who has to like take care of that and the fact he could do it like so consistently for years and years and okay he had an off night maybe once in a while but like damn like i think the guy earned it once it was once in a while i wonder how yeah. he wonder what his like regiment was for protecting that and not letting it get too far like he he must have had i don't think he did have formal training actually like if he did i don't remember it but maybe yeah. he took a voice coach on tour or anything so uh he definitely i know he took warming up a really serious because if you listen to like the old lp tv when like they're in the backstage you literally there's not a single time where you don't hear him just like warming up at the top of his lungs in the background. Yeah. And I do I do think his singing on this one is is really good. Like if there was any one thing that he sort of ran the road about, it was the singing. And uh, you guys ever noticed you guys listen to the band Placebo? Mm-hmm. Guys a little ever, bit. Have you guys ever noticed how much he sounds like Brian Molko during some he of the really there's something about like the like the 80s rock like placebo depeche mode i feel like he really tries to emulate somehow and not like the placebo is with... from the 80s but i see your point yeah but like the kind of the like synthy the synth rock kind of wave he he loved that shit and like it's like if you took that plus like 90s grunge like stone temple pilots like that kind of shit just slap them together you kind of have chester in a way yeah like what with I... the both clean and heaviness what I always got out of him, uh, like taking the influence from Dave Gahn of uh, Depeche Mode, not that he wrote the melodies. What's the other guy in Depeche Mode's name? Super sorry for forgetting this. Cran, uh, you're a huge Depeche Mode fan. What's his name again? Uh, to Martin, 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 Martin. Martin Gore. Yeah. Yeah. So like Martin Gore and Brian Molico, they both had very direct vocal melodies like you could remember them after hearing it one time and they didn't they didn't go crazy like if you think about a lot of the grunge singers with other like yells and he's and really like oh really like macho sort of vocal intonations and and stuff like that like he didn't have any of that he was really like going directly into the melodies like i can't think of i can't really think of him doing any big vamping or anything of that regard which is is what made them so broadly appealing you mentioned Corey Taylor having the same ability. He actually threw his voice out a lot early on with that band, and he had to hire a vocal coach to get up to snuff to learn to be able to control his screams and still be able to sing. Yeah, but that so was... I be- think Chester's a step above him in being able to just... Because he was right out of the gate being able to do that. Well, you know... Oh, you know what else? That's a good point that you just made. I, I don't know. I feel like that, that Linkin Park is the ultimate, like, two beers and then bed band. Like, th- these guys were not <laughs> doing drugs. Uh, on every stop of the tour like like i know chester had his struggles with drugs but this is one of the most clean bands you can ever think of like Corey taylor 
They, they, those are some years of hard living. Yeah, you know? they they had some fun. It it probably it probably really helps when you're in a band that just drinks water every night and goes to bed at like <laughs> nine p.m. <laughs> you probably keep the stamina up when you don't have those bad influences around you. So was he sober? Did he like? Did he like? I swear, like he got s- sober. I can't think. I can't think. I might be totally wrong. I think he went through periods of it because there were times on the meteoritor. If you watch some video, you can kind of see it in his eyes. Where, oh like, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's Not... sh- there's some shit going on, but like, yeah, no, no, no. He he know. wasn't. He wasn't actually. I don't want to put that upon him, but but he. I mean, they weren't. They definitely weren't a hard party and ass band. Like they yeah, were. I, yeah, I, They were very much a clean the green room up type band uh so that does that does probably help but um yeah aside from that uh oh you know what i've always liked about this album is is no yeah rob borden's drumming gets way better on this record than it was on hybrid theory and if you watch like the behind the scenes the making of this album he's, he's he spends a lot of time practicing and he talks about how he wanted to get a lot better from the first record because uh, as anyone knows, like I've always said that new metal is a genre of drummers and I've always given I've always given Rob some shit as being like the worst drummer in a great new metal band. But really, I mean, the beats on the first record were just rudimentary and I'm not like versed in the later Linkin Park albums whatsoever. Does he ever end up doing like drum solos and stuff like that? He never really did drum solos, but he de- he definitely like leveled up a couple times. I'd say there's a there's like an acoustic like a long acoustic song called "The Little Things Give You Away." That was actually I think the demo name was just "Drum Song," where he kind of goes crazy at the end of that. And then they did like a more like straightforward like heavy metal album called "The Hunting Party," and his drumming he brought out the double kick pedal for that one. Whoa, went pretty insane. Whoa, that's that's not something I I ever heard from him in my journey. Yeah, double um, kick. There's a song on that album called Rebellion that Darren from System of Down played guitar on. He was a guest. And um, if you would have told me John played drums on it, I would have believed you. But it's actually Rob. Oh, that's cool. You should check that out. Um, but I don't, you know, you guys are kind of the scholars and something that I always, whenever I talk about Linkin Park, I always have this tendency to sort of give Mike all the credit for the songwriting. Am that I like, is kind of fair. To be fair. Oh, is it? Uh, I, he's kind of like, I feel like he's kind of like the mastermind behind like the production, especially kind of like with the later albums when they took more like electronic turns. But as you said, like with how Rob, I'm I'm not even sure I'd say Rob's drumming is necessarily better. I'd just say it's more of at like the forefront because with hybrid theory, I feel like a lot of his drum beats were kind of just like him playing over whatever like beat Mike made and then kind of just playing it. So it's on like real drums versus that with Meteora, you actually have like parts based around like drum parts. He wrote like the faint intro and like the entire, pretty much the entirety of faint and like a bunch of other moments. But I think he just had like more, they just kind of went for like a more raw sound. Like they wanted and like you said, he was like actually practicing. So I think he definitely wanted to be more present in it. And I want to be clear. Okay, Rob, if you're listening, I want to be clear. He's not- somewhere in the middle of the woods. He doesn't even know what a <laughs> podcast is, I don't think. Yeah. Is he? Wait, Bless what do you? Heart. 
Where? Why? What do you mean by that? Like he's just he's kind of been a wall since they, Chester passed away, and then they did this one like the the like memorial show where they had a bunch of guests come out, and ever since that he's kind of been like on the on the run on the no run. One can, <laughs> no one or Mac get McCarthy style. Wow. Well, good for good on him. So if but listen, Rob, if this is your first podcast, if this is how you've started your podcast journey, I do want to <laughs> say. The drumming may have been simple, but it's not like hybrid theory would have been improved with blast beats. Okay. Like the yeah, drumming yeah. was exactly what it needed to be, you know, and no more. So I, I don't want to ever suggest it was bad, but the drumming was like very simple. And it, I think it was just dialed up a tiny bit in complexion and in complexity on this record. Like I think his drum beat on like Breaking the habit is good. It pushes the song forward. It's very like urgent and pressing and doesn't sound so like pro tooled. Yeah. And, yeah. I uh, think in, in general, like Lincoln Park as a whole, like as instrumentalists, they always kind of were really good at playing what served the song. Yeah. hundred percent. Like the story I always think about is how like the, like Brad hands off a guitar riff to uh, Mike and Mike's like, okay, I need these three chords and he cut, chops that up and shuffles it and makes points of authority out of it. And, and I mean, I'm not going to tell Anthony cause Anthony, you're like the tab master for this band, right? Yeah. Uh, that's if you want to say that, sure. <laughs> is, is, is points of authority the easiest Linkin Park song? Um, that one's really say. easy. Like you read the tabs, you're like two, three, two, 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 zero, zero, two three. Yeah. yeah you're like, two, oh, three, three, open two. I mean, in terms of stuff that's really guitar based, yeah, it's it's one of the easier ones. Um, there's stuff I think like Given Up. Given Up might be the easiest one. Really? Is it just that one riff? Um, I mean, I was gonna say like you could take a song like I don't know, Breaking the Habit or Hands Held High or something like that, where there's just a little clean guitar part that's like three notes because there's barely any guitar in the song. Oh, like that's theoretically easier, but it's not a guitar song yeah that one's pretty easy have you tabbed all of their songs i've kind of slacked off on it lately like just being in my 30s and having a kid and a career and stuff but well that'll do that Bro, not... I've, I've discovered lincoln park songs because i was looking at his tabs and i was like what the hell is this <laughs> why, why did he take the time to tab this one out when did you start tabbing their songs um, I started, so there's another website, uh, LP Association. We kind of, some people think we kind of have a rivalry, LP Live versus LPA. We did at times, and you, at times. That's kind of fun, though. <laughs> we're kind of, we're kind of, okay. we're, you know, nice. We're agreeing now. Guys signed but, a treaty. Um, yeah, we went, we, uh. It's in the fine print. It's in the Geneva Conventions. Um, <laughs> so between Meteora and Minutes to Midnight, which the gap between those albums felt like a million years i was an administrator on lp association at the time and they had a guitar tab section on their website all due respect the tabs on there sucked like they were worse than some of the stuff you find on ultimate guitar now so i'd been hey, playing like, site. what the hell yeah what the fuck that's what cran was doing <laughs> cran used to tab those wow okay I mean, those were my tabs <laughs> there's good stuff on ultimate guitar too but there's also some bad stuff on there this is true um, this is true yeah, and it's the worst to get a bad tab because you're like, especially me, who's not a good guitarist, is you, you, you're looking at it and you're like, I'm, I'm playing it. Why doesn't it work? Why doesn't this work? I swear I'm playing it. Like, you're just 
blindly assuming that what you're reading is right. And it's yeah, not. yeah, because you don't mm-hmm. know any better. And then and sure. then you go to another tab website and you're like, oh, I needed a capo on the second fret. Oh, everything, <laughs> everything was wrong. God, <laughs> Suddenly it. this makes sense. Oh, look at that. No, but but yeah, the tabs I had on there weren't good. And I'd been playing for about five or six years at that point. So I was like, you know, I'll, I'll revamp this. And I did the, just the two main albums at the time. And then people were like, well, why don't you uh, tab reanimation? So I did that. And then. I started doing covers on YouTube once that became a thing. And yeah, I've got, I just counted the other day. I've got something like 200 plus tabs. It's a real LPU soldier right there. And you, but you weren't putting them on Ultimate Guitar? No. Um, so at, there were a few other tab sites that have been gone. Like anybody remember MX tabs? I've been on MX tabs and a rogue, so, a real rogue search brought me there. Yeah. Yeah, there was another one that was like the tab world or something like that. This is way back. But um, no, I didn't really start using Ultimate Guitar until later. And then I have a handful of Dead by Sunrise tabs on Ultimate Guitar as guitar profiles. I just I never put in the time to really make guitar pro stuff, even though I probably should. That would be crazy. Your tabs as like guitar pro would be insane. Because I'm pretty sure people have just like copy and pasted your page and just put it on Ultimate Guitar anyway. It takes a lot of effort, right? That takes a lot of effort, right, to get them onto like a MIDI. Because that's what is that what that website is? It's like um, a MIDI, like you hit play and it plays. Sort of. You. It's kind of. Sometimes it sucks. It's like if you have the Pro member, I think it's like a tab where like you hit play and it'll play like all the little yeah parts and you can mute and solo different parts, but. I don't know what the process is of making it. It must be a pain in the ass. I, I imagine. And the thing is, is whenever you get like a free tab, you kind of got to just be like, hey, you know, salute. Even if it's not perfect. <laughs> Thank you, gotta, you for your service. Yeah, I paid and, nothing for this. <laughs> and also credit to Ultimate Guitar because like their threshold for what constitutes a tab that's good enough to put on the website has improved a lot over the years. Um, and that's just because they have a lot of songs that there's already eight, nine, ten different submissions for. They don't want a, that many more. But let me, ask, um, let me ask you this: What is the most complicated guitar, Lincoln Park song on guitar? What is the eruption of the Lincoln Park? I'm Omar? actually interested to hear your answer on this. It's probably something on the Hunting Party. Everyone, every hunting party, I guess, is when everyone got tired of Mike doing all the heavy lifting. And they're like, well, we can play our instruments too. Isn't <laughs> Your hunting that the party, one- they were just like, I want to pick up a guitar again, man. We have nothing to prove at this point. We're fine. Let's do a song with Rakim and fucking fucker. Let's let Brad sing one. Fuck it. Who cares? <laughs> <Literally>. <laughs> Was so, that around the time that Linkin Park started denouncing new metal in interviews? Yeah, oh my that God. Was the time they, they were all like, doing that. Churches. Wait, that what was- did you say? What did you say? They had beef with churches, the indie synth pop band. No shit. Why them of all people? I don't even remember. He was saying something like, like, oh, this album isn't going to be like Disney music, like how the radios are playing. Like, I think he just said churches because he he heard him that day. And then I don't even, they like called him out and some shit. And then it was bizarre. They, They like apologized to each other. And then churches posted like a, three hour loop of my Sharona but instead of my Sharona just said Mike Shinoda I'll definitely tell you what I'll definitely tell you what it's not very Mike Shinoda to pick a fight with anybody that's what I'm saying 
So, but hold on. I just pulled it up. I do not remember this. Uh, churches. I'm, I'm going to actually say Chiverches because I can't say it anyway. Yeah, so Chiverches, right Chiverches have hit back at Lincoln Park poster. rapper Mike Shinoda. Who pre- you have a Churches poster? Right there. I would that, die for that woman. I'm that was a rough That was now. a rough year for you. You were like, oh, God. Oh, Bro, I was like, oh, no. Down my, my father and my, my crush are down. It, churches have hit churches have hit back to churches have hit back at Lincoln Park rapper Mike Snowden previously called them Disney commercial music. The synth pop trio dubbed the new metal man, band's music pointless with singer Lauren Mayberry saying his comments were complete bullshit. Um, so apparently Shinoda said to Noisy in April, there's so much music out there. There's so much stuff that sounds like Heim or Churches or Vampire Weekend that I'm full. The thing I'm hungry for is not that. I turn on the rock station in LA and it sounds like Disney commercial music. Okay, hold on. Hold on. He was spitting when he said that. That, so that was right, a bar. He, that was not a diss against churches. It was he's, a case of like they spun his words. And then, he said yeah, there's too much music. There's too much music that sounds like them. That's what he said. So no, yeah. no, 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 no. That's that's not on him at all. And I and, and second of all, if you were around in 2014, you will know he was spitting. He was 100% not wrong. Correct. I, I remember facts. thinking I remember thinking like. I remember thinking like churches haven't sold that many albums. Like, why does every band sound Dude, like? <laughs> why does this... of, like, it was crazy? Why does every band sound like churches now? But I was I wasn't around in 2014, so I don't remember this. Yeah, you you were you had a <laughs> he skipped that year. He had a few. He was in a fugue state that year. He was. <laughs> he does, he I was in a band remember. around that time that um this band I was in, we would cover Walcott by Vampire Weekend, and I was always just like, can we not? It's a good song. <laughs> Dude, it's you could have started song, but... you started singing any other song over that what you rehearsed, and people would be eating it up. People would be, I love this song. Oh, yeah, you could have just made up new words, and you probably would have got a record deal. <laughs> Make your own song. With XL. You would have got signed to Sub Pop by accident. That's what that is what 20 <laughs> that is what 2014 was like though. Mike was bang on and it does suck that I think that they did I think they did twist I think they did twist his words cuz he's 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 totally correct about that and uh yeah. it does suck though that it had to come to I could imagine being in Traverches and being like what the fuck cuz 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 first of all first of all Mike you you did write like numb <laughs> and stuff like that which definitely sounds first of all like proto churches and second of honestly all, kind of Probably does get played on the radio on Radio Disney. Probably did get played on Radio Disney at the time. There's, I'll tell you there's what, a kids' bop version that's definitely getting spun on Radio Disney. I should find it. Uh, here's my memory of of Numb. What I thought was funny, they used to show us and they take us all to the gym and show us these really shiny, flashy anti-bullying videos. It'd be like thirty <laughs> minutes and be packed dun, 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 dude, dun. they would be they would no 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 they would be really shiny like they would they looked like they spent money on these and they would have oh, tons of licensed commercial music in it like numb and like uh mental around what year by was switchfoot this? what around what year was this because in like 2011 they were doing the same shit for us Do you remember please i was hoping somebody would be like oh i remember those because I was trying to think like is that was that just me? But um I feel like I might have seen it in like middle school. I remember one yeah. time they played numb at like a school assembly. I was like, what? One of these anti-bullying TV shows or whatever the fuck they were showing us had an Eminem song on it. Oh god. Uh Lincoln Park is famous Park- anti-bully Eminem. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
nobody no no band's music has ever cropped up in more cringe environments than Lincoln Park. Like this Dude, this band just hit people in that special place where they feel like they can be their most vulnerable self. Like and that's great. That's a beautiful thing, but also how many Dragon Ball Z fan Dude, oh edits did <laughs> people, like, did people make? You know, we've got like millions and millions of these things. And and for me, as like as far as AMVs go, I hate to say this. I really do. I wish I wasn't like this. I can't fucking watch them because I find them so cringe. Like, what I, would I AMVs really... be? What, what would AMVs be without Lincoln Park? <laughs> That's fair. that that's a whole like genre of video that exists because of Linkin Park. They are the Beatles of AMVs. <laughs> and I, I'm a huge like I'll say Naruto is one of my favorite shows, but goddamn, do I never want to hear like the two come together? <laughs> it just doesn't make sense to me. When and when people are like, "Oh, I remember this one. This one's so fire." I'm always like, "No, it's unwatchable." Because like, they, <laughs> yeah. they, like they'll like they'll do the thing where they're like the lyric will be like, "I can't." fail and there's a character being like i can't fail and you're like god okay <laughs> fine like i remember my i had an ex-girlfriend that told me that no oh, this about yeah, to come. this, this <laughs> looks like a shameful when she thing. was when she was a kid her first karate recital was to faint and i was just oh, like, shit, that's, I was just like lit. that's kind of lit oh it was like i was like oh god like oh god because i could just i hope there, i hope there's a kid doing that now still that would go hard i do hope that that's still on the curriculum. That's still the final assignment. <laughs> but remember the uh, end of the track and field season. We had a slideshow, and someone put Castle of Glass as the back oh, track. Sick. That's oh, okay. Sick. I guess I guess I can't relate to that though. But um, <laughs> what is so? Wait, guys, what the what is it about this band though that that hit people in that way? I think for one thing. Oh, you know what? For one thing, this band was into anime style visuals immediately. Like yep. they like first of all, they've made the most expensive AMV ever. <laughs> like that's pretty. I, they 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 ran with it. They're like these guys are onto something. Yeah, like I put out a question on my Twitter. I was like, "What's the best AMV of all time?" And someone said, "Oh, it's breaking the breaking habit." The I'm like head. disqualified. That does not <laughs> count, and you know it. <laughs> so, but but then even in hybrid theory, like you had the guy, you had the 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 figure on the cover, and you had like the in the end video with the crazy CG visuals. Um, I don't remember if there was any particular anime visuals around that period, but it, it was one of those things you kind of picked up on. Like, like if you were into Lincoln Park, you were probably watching Adult Swim. Like, you know, things just kind of come together in that way. Uh, I mean, Ska was kind of rocking the anime shit before oh, we go with this guy. Voodoo <laughs> Glow Skulls. They had that fucking Dragon Ball Horiyama looking album cover in like 96 or something. You want to keep going on ska? We can just keep talking about ska. <laughs> well, this is now the ska episode. Meteora, he, happy he, birthday. We're talking ska now. Z comes on every episode. <laughs> Z comes on every episode with a post-it on his computer monitor that's like, bring up, see if we can bring this up. And it's, and I always appreciate it. We just need a little divergence. And then he's like, so. and, and I love just him saying, for that. If not for ska, there wouldn't be Lincoln Park. What? You know? What the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> now you, must, with now you, you need go. to elaborate. I'm no, gonna need an A to B here, ZZ, because I'm, I'm not. There following is one. You. It just is facts. Just- oh, you know what? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Chester Bennington was the original singer of Less Than Jake, right? <laughs> oh no, he, he had those yeah. pants in the paper cut video. He, so. he, that's that's true. He had the ska style pants in the paper cut video. It's all coming. It is all coming together. Without that, they never would have taken off. If he didn't wear those pants, they wouldn't have gotten to where they were. <laughs> the pants are what put them over. 
What is the weirdest place you guys have encountered any Linkin Park media? Because I can start this and, and I can answer it for me and probably for Z, uh, which is the 9-11 themed Linkin yeah. Park bootleg. <laughs> oh you already God. knew. You knew what Under I was attack. about to say. Under attack. Wait, did you just, did you know it? You know this. Yes. Yeah, yeah the With scholar. The like, I don't know. You have person. a copy. I don't have a copy. Oh. Of I never really sought out the bootlegs. You don't. You don't have the 9/11 yeah. edition Lincoln Park album. I, the one where I, they're doing 9/11. Yeah, come on, Mike. Yeah, come on, man. <laughs> I I do think that that's like the ultimate. Like I, so I post this occasionally, and it always does good, good, good numbers because of how outrageous it is. Which is the Lincoln Park 9/11 Dragon Ball Z? Because of course, <laughs> AMV. I've never watched it. I don't think I've ever seen more than five seconds of it just because I can't like I can't do it. I can't get into that mindset where you could edit something like that and be like this really because the person that edited it wasn't editing it ironically. You know, no. it wasn't like a joke. No, they're like, was, they're like, that was their life's work. Right yeah, there. they're like, this is a tribute to the fallen <laughs> heroes of 9-11. And then 20 years later, I'm like, is this not the dumbest shit you guys have ever seen? <laughs> like, That's one thing about this band somehow, like, their music was so, like, you could make so many jokes out of it. Like, yeah, you, I'm sure you've seen that, like, the 4chan post of, like, it's just an iTunes and it's just one song. It's in the end that's been listened to like a billion times. Oh, yeah. I think I have. <laughs> I, was like, I just really like this song. I just really like this song. Uh, <laughs> And then that's also like something that cooperates with like the culture of the time is that if you were into Lincoln Park, I think you could assume certain things like people, certain people gravitate <laughs> towards that. You might have been a loser. There's like a 50% chance. That's kind of the association. If you were like, well, we're like a really, really good gang of losers. If you were really into Lincoln Park, like, yes, if you were like super into them and you also owned an original Xbox. And you were the first person to figure out how Xbox Live works. And yeah, you probably had. <laughs> you got, you're got. you always wearing the hoodie. You were always wearing the hoodie. You had an Inuyasha box set. Like there were just <laughs> things that you could kind of put together. And, and I think that that was great. Like I, I was definitely. Yeah, I was again, like it's the only it's the only fan club I've ever been in. Like I was super into this band. I had a poster. I had the hoodie. I had a T-shirt. I had every album. And what's funny is I was thinking about this earlier. I had the weirdest Linkin Park journey where I had reanimation, then Meteora, then Hybrid Theory. So for like six months there, I thought that reanimation was. That's a crazy world to live in. It was it was That's weird. World. I was like, oh, so they're kind of like a techno rap act. <laughs> interesting, <laughs> interesting. Like I remember thinking like hearing in the end the reanimation version and being like, okay, this is what everyone's listening to. This is what they've been talking about. This is okay. Interesting. But what I think is really cool about that though. And I talk about this a lot too. What do I say more? I digress or I talk about this a lot, guys. I mean, you guys have been here for most of the podcast. I've heard, I've heard I talk about this a lot a couple of times. Yeah. Listen, when this is all you do from sun up to sundown is talk about new metal. You're gonna repeat yourself. Yo, you so. brought it up, man. We weren't saying anything. I know. Um, but uh, what I really love about Lincoln Park and what I think makes Lincoln Park like such an important part of music history is that if you grew up on this music, it kind of primed you to get into anything after that. That's what I'm. I I credit Lincoln Park to like my entire music taste now. Yeah, I I owe them. I think I owe them everything too because it's like. If the first record of them I had was reanimation, like that set me to get up into to, to get into Jay-Z or MF Doom or Boards of Canada 
or the chemical brothers like because all those influencers are so loud in their music that it it primes you later on to get into heavy metal to get into hip-hop to get into techno to get into electronica and i think that that's super cool i can't think of any other band that had like that big of an effect with their with their music like if you were super into guns and roses you were super into bands that sounded like guns and roses I guess I don't. I don't know. It does. It doesn't really like have the same effect to me. Yeah, I, uh, I think that's people, a thing about. Oh, you sorry, you go. I was just gonna build on that and say I knew some people growing up that were only into like the music their parents were into, like Guns and Roses, perfect example. Mm-hmm. And now as adults, guess what they fucking listen to still? Just Guns and Roses and other bands like that. Meanwhile, a lot of the kids that grew up listening to bands like Linkin Park or even Limp Bizkit that were combining genres have a more diverse taste and are more willing to try new stuff rather than just go back to whatever they're comfortable with. Yeah, I was like, totally that kid who up to that point only listened to like my dad's CD collection. I mean, I did too, but it was all metal, so it's okay. <laughs> yeah, my dad like escape. It was all rock stuff, but yeah. Oh yeah, this was the I think this was the first band I got into that my parents had like nothing to do with. Yeah, for me. I think that actually that's so, that like a recurring story story I hear a lot. Like a, for a lot of people this was like the first band. Yeah. That really got them somewhere. Was, oh, was these guys, and then regrettably, Hollywood and dead. <laughs> Oof. <laughs> Oof. Now, you had to kind of, you had to kind of like write the ship there. Oh, <laughs> yeah, this was absolutely the first band I got into that wasn't a part of like my parents' CD collection. So cool. I forgot about that. And then I got I think... my dad into them later. So I kind of went <laughs> oh, full circle. Rocks. My mom likes Lincoln Park. My mom likes Lincoln Park. And it's funny how, how she says to me, she'll be like, they're a, they're a new metal band. I'm like, you gotta. Like, you know, you got to listen to more, <laughs> but, but I mean, with her, it's like, it's like fine. Cause I do like that. We can have that in common. Like she thinks in the end breaking the habit and numb are like really, really great songs. And it's like, so do I. So I'm not going to be like, you need to hear by myself. Like you've got to check this out. <laughs> you know, I'll, I'll let her have those songs, but mom, you got to hear the bridge of a place from my head. I swear. But I think that's like the magic of this band is that be there at the same time that they were like the pinnacle of new metal there were also like just a little bit of pretty much everything else like you like even with indie like they're pretty much a boy band with guitars and like with screaming there's like you got some asian dudes you got a dude who looks jewish you got a got this just white dude you got you got a little bit of everything and then even with the music, like it's rap, it's hip hop, but it's also like electronic and little poppy. So like even like that, those crowds can get into it. And it's just, it's they're this weird like middle ground between just everything. Now I, that's do, it. Now like, I do hope Mike didn't hear that part, but <laughs> Mike, I'm sorry. <laughs> he's he's going to come out of this door and just like shoot me in the head. Who's a boy band now? <laughs> <laughs> but like um, you can't like at the core of it that's kind of what they are like because they were at the same time like in sync and all of those guys they were doing their thing and like they're kind of the same concept it's just like one oh, totally well that's totally. kind of what new metal was which is why it's ridiculous whenever lincoln park denies they were a new metal band well the <laughs> thing about it though new metal. the thing about it though is is that i almost said i talk about this a lot the thing about <laughs> it <laughs> the thing about it up american head Kirk, you're gonna digress <laughs> Shut up! Shut the fuck up! Is that to me? <laughs> Playmo. To me, to me, Lincoln Park is the tra- is like the train arriving at the station. Uh, the train that like took off or in like 1986, 
and and proceeded all the way through the 90s and got off there because it's like you know, it's like here's the synth pop here's the grunge here's the new metal here's the hip-hop and it all just kind of arrives at hybrid theory and like taking all of that and making it into one perfect product and i know that mike does fight the boy band label and the uh, kind of assembled by the record label sort of idea that, that they've been put upon and i, I would never begrudge him for that however their a and r is who got chester in the band so you know like i i i kind of see it both ways is is that well, on the one hand, like the, I would never fault their talents for making this happen. Like they're incredibly, a bunch of incredibly talented guys. Mike's a, a songwriting genius. Uh, he's writing hits today. You know, that's insane. Mm -hmm. Nobody else can say that. But at the same time, they're, you know, they, they, I, did they, did they tour at all before Hybrid Theory? Bare, they never did like a proper tour there. I think pre Hybrid Theory, there's maybe a dozen or so shows. <laughs> Yeah, and then how many of those are how many of those how many of those are 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 industry shows, you know, showcases. Well, I, I'm That's not counting I... showcases, but like they played a ton of showcases. Yeah. And and I think that they were really and I think that that's why people distrusted Lincoln Park when they came out is because it wasn't like Corn or Limp Bizkit or cold chamber or anything where they were in the fucking van you know touring their ass off and like building 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 with lincoln park it was like we have arrived here's the whole apparatus all at once boom mm -hmm. so i think that that's where a lot of the distrust come i would not put them on a magazine cover in test tubes don't get me wrong like i wouldn't do that but i i do think that there is something to be said though about how meticulously crafted they were and they they proved their bona fides as tour monsters and performers like it's not like they fell apart once they got in front of the real world at all but i think i feel like they were really focused early on on just kind of like honing in on the songs instead of touring yeah i mean i i they i know before it's like they had to figure out the whole chester situation i think what we've debated this a lot was it like 1999 he joined yeah yeah, it was um, 99. But like, I feel like because there's so much like as we're we're we've been deep in this, like we're, we know what like our holy grails that what we want to see before we die emerge out of the Lincoln Park history, out of the archives. And there's so much from like before hybrid theory that, you know, there must be like some tape lying around that has like footage of like the old zero show or something. Mm hmm. Oh, do they like, have like shows totally not documented at all? Pretty much. Uh, so LP Live, like they started documenting everything long before I came around. But like there's been like we've had plenty of like discoveries over time. But like I think when the Hybrid Theory anniversary box came out a couple years ago, I think we discovered like a good handful of new stuff just from like little poster clips they had like put in the books. Yeah, I can't. Yeah, think, I don't think any rock band had more photos taken of them than this one. Like that's true. There's it, a there's kind of a dead space, but like slowly, sure, I'm sure stuff will emerge. They carted those motherfuckers to every industrial site in Los Angeles and were like, stand there and look grumpy, <laughs> and just took photos of them for four hours. So, so a slip of blue gradient on this, the people love it. 
we got to we got to get these photos out here. Every every magazine in America has like a file folder this tall with just like press photos of there. You can make a Google Google Maps like street view of just Lincoln Park. <laughs> I Lincoln really Park, I Los like Angeles. that. Wait, wait, this is a good idea. Can, can, I'm sure you guys have tons of free time to make that happen. We can, we can, can make piece together all of Los Angeles where they were all the photos are from. Anthony Anthony's Anthony's like Anthony's like Shit, I think I could do that actually. We have I, this guy, one of our we have a guy from Brazil who he might who might be listening to this be like, that's that might be a challenge I can accept. Like you park fans, man. You guys are the, the most tech savvy in all of the craziest ways. I swear to God. Um, but so yeah, so then um the third single off the record, numb, happens and peaks at I think eleven on the hot one hundred, so not top ten which probably was a disappointment at the time. And yet now it's their biggest song. Like it's bigger than in the end. It's the national anthem of Malta. It's the, ah, ah, did you see me? You, did you know about that? Or did you see me post that? I, I remember you, you like brought it back out of my memory. For context, there's like a sporting event somewhere where they're supposed to play the national anthem of Malta. And uh, they played numb instead by accident. So and every time I post that, people are always like, that is our By national accident, anthem. Yeah, what do you that's that's how it should be. Oops, click. It is one of those rare songs, though, where you could probably go to any town where there's at least 30 people living there, anywhere on planet Earth, play that, and someone in there is going to be like, tired of being what you want. Like, <laughs> yeah. We're, we're there, in deep there Brazil. Is no, deep there is the no location on this Earth where you're... you're 30 miles or more from someone who knows the song though yeah yeah for sure i don't how did that but how did that end up bigger than in the end oh is it because it has no rapping oh it numb also had numb encore which kind of boosted it a little bit true true like a double-sided hit single i don't know i think the music video for numb was also kind of quintessentially like emo like all the all the like Tumblr pictures of Chester, all just him at the microphone in that church. Is he at that? Ch- is he at that church though? I don't know. Uh, I think so. I thought he had something wrong. He had to do it in L.A. and they like edit him in later. Oh right, yeah. They they shot. It's a different church than the one that you see from the outside. That's what matching it is. matching cathedral in Los Angeles. Yeah. So he's at he's at a church, but. I do think this is a I do think this is a really good song. It, it is one of those songs though I'm becoming a little bit meh, of just because, like I said, I'm getting a little frustrated at the whole Lincoln Park was a pop rock band sort of reputation that they've taken on now. Especially I think you, you people say that like in context of new metal. Like if you put it in the context of like like Slipknot and everything else going on at that time, like yeah, they were they were probably the poppiest thing occurring that was popular, but like. In that terms of like point. actual pop rock, like definitely not. That is a good point, actually. That is a really good point because those are certainly the circles I'm traveling in. But like, like you're <laughs> gonna say, Lincoln is Lincoln Park more poppy than like In the Shadows by the Rasmus? What's no. poppier, Parachutes <laughs> by Coldplay or Hybrid Theory by <laughs> Lincoln Park? Well, I know which one sold more copies, so I guess it's debatable. Fact. Yeah, I I think that. Overall, though, it's it's just it's a really well packaged, well executed record. 30, 35. It's a tight 36 minutes. And while I don't I don't like it as much as hybrid theory, I also think that it's because it's it's got big shoes to fill. And then if I took it on its own merits, I'd probably be like, oh, this is incredible. 
uh, I actually, you guys said it's so, with, uh, Anthony, did you say you like the, the sound of it better? A lot of that just comes from me being a guitar player and thinking that Meteora is like a pillar of new metal guitar tone. Yeah. Is it now? So the thing about Meteora though, is that to me, it's like even more mixed for radio play than hybrid theory was. So it's very like trebly. There's like not a lot of low end. Uh, and that kind of bugs. Like I thought that on hybrid theory, I, hybrid theory to me has always been like one of the best mixed albums ever like it's also very trebly in radio but there's like so much to hear there's so much going on whereas with this one it's like it's it's a it's a simpler mix and it's because they they wanted you know to have placements from grocery stores to radios to, to stadiums sure. you know sure well well let me let me put it this way if i had to narrow my like upper echelon of new metal ish guitar tones down to two songs it would be somewhere i belong and Minerva by Deftones. And those have similar, those so so similar tones. Just just big atmospheric glacial sounding stuff. Didn't they record and they were didn't they record somewhere I belong in a bus? Uh the the intro like synthy thing started on the bus. Yeah. I remember wasn't it like Brad played a chord progression on an acoustic guitar? It was actually Chester. Chino, Chester played it and then Mike yep. like re reversed it. And then turn into a synth, and that was how somewhere I belong. That's the yeah. thing I love about the like, it's just the production behind like what how these all come together. So, so it comes from such a unique place. I feel like they're always looking for sounds. It felt like Mike was so ahead of his time. We were watching the Collision Course DVD on Twitch the other day, and and Mike's like at the the Pro Tools rig, and he's he's working in the Pro Tools rig, and I'm like, you know, people. Like I was like, you know, artists didn't do that. Like that was yeah, not. You're supposed to have a guy paid. To yeah. Do that. Like the singer did not jump behind the Pro Tools rig and cook up. That was not what they did. They sit on the couch, wear designer sunglasses, and wait for them to have so, to go in the booth. So funny story about just how good Mike is with Pro Tools. Um, back during like the minutes to midnight period, Lincoln Park did this thing where they were releasing live recordings of all their shows. You could buy like a, a blank CD with a download code at their merch booth. And then you would get a download link for the show like a week or so later. Um, so their, their front of house engineer, uh, Ken Van Druten or Pooch, as a lot of people know him. He, he's like a world-class sound engineer. He would mix the show. And then after the show, he'd go and mix the recordings to go out and whatever. Sometimes when he was doing the mixes and edits and stuff, Mike would come in and take over because he was faster. Really? So, so he'd be like, I, I can do this quicker than you here. Just take a break. <laughs> that's so, that's so Mike too, to be like, I'm sure yeah. he was really nice about it, but that's so Mike to just be like, I, I got this. I can, I can just, <laughs> right. you could just scoot over. Cause it's, it's a gimme. It's such a gimme now that every modern artist has to have like, know his way around. Uh, a DAW, a software. Yeah, you, you just have to know how to do that. Mike was in the motherfucking lab, bro. Mike was Mike was cooking up all by himself. Like he was never he. And then in the hybrid theory behind the scenes, he's in he's in Europe. He's somewhere in like England, and he's getting faxes from Warner Brothers. And he's like, "Oh, this looks good. Let's adjust the wings on this, and let's let's adjust this." And rock stars were not doing that shit. <laughs> In the right. 90s he was and just, he's so heavily invested in like the art he makes and i think that's 
That's a heart that actually like took the band a little further. A little? Very much further. Way yeah. further. <laughs> Way further. Like it's like that's and that's something that makes Lincoln Park into such a such a thing for people like me and for people like you guys, like who can run an entire Lincoln Park archival project and have hundreds of thousands of fans, is that they put so much effort into what they were doing that you can build like a little world around it. Like they like the visuals, the songs, the booklets, the DVDs, the extras, everything. Like they were always very keenly aware that like if we pull this off right, like they had a really intense fan club presence. I can't think of anyone that consistent with the fan club. They even still like the. I, I'm still impressed by some of the like the Lincoln Park posts I see. Like there's someone who still like someone no no hate to this person. Uh, God bless them. But they they draw the band as like my little pony characters and i'm like how is this possible how can someone still oh i know them I, i've seen that wait is that the person that's like i'm drawing them every day until the band until they take away the ai lost video or something no they i think there's someone that's like oh you know what we're talking to different people but there is someone on twitter that's like i'm drawing the band every single day until they take a picture together or something insane like that oh i know what you're talking about mm. i know what you're talking about it, the band attracted a lot of like people who are all also invested in like music and art, and I feel like that also helped the community. Yeah. So, and, and I mean, and and it's also a, a huge testament to Mike that they could go from like like almost almost two decades on, two probably two decades on from when they became a band. It's insane that Mike could suddenly be like, "All right, I'm gonna write a hit single now and write heavy." And heavy goes to, I mean, 45 on the Hot 100. That's not like a smash. But when you've been a, a rock band for two decades. Yeah, like considering like you started with songs like By Your, by Myself and With You. Yeah. And now you're writing a song that's hitting the pop chart. Like all the other bands who do that, they don't hit that high. No. Rock bands don't hit the Hot 100 anymore. It just it doesn't happen. Exactly. Yeah. And I remember even at the time when that song was climbing the charts, I wasn't I like like maybe a few of us in here. I wasn't into it, but I definitely remember thinking like Lincoln Park have a hit. What the what the fuck? Like that was I was like, what? That's crazy. So, you know, he's a, he's a songwriting genius. That guy always had an incredible mind for just for pop songwriting. And uh, and it's, it's even a testament to say, like, look at Lost. They wrote that song and then didn't touch it for literally like 20 years. And here it is now. You know, it's in like the top 40. Yeah. yeah, it's crazy. What the fuck? A song, uh, it was literally like... That song, song was that rejected didn't... because of Numb and Easier to Run. That's what it sounds like to me, is it sounds like Nummer. Like, it's it's it doesn't... But that's, it's like you know, the Numb sequel. Easier to run. Even, even easier to run. So, but This uh, is all wild to talk about, considering Mike Shinoda almost got fired from the band. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> we... Probably should bring that up like we did when we covered hybrid theory. Bro, Jeff Blue is the biggest bag fumbler in in like metal history. Like I can't believe Jeff Blue fucked that up so bad. Has anyone here's some Lincoln Park hardcoreness? Who here has read Jeff Blue's book? I have. I actually know Jeff. <laughs> Get the oh, fuck out of yeah. here. Are you serious? <laughs> I suddenly have so many questions. This guy um, knows people. Everything. Man. If um if you look on Jeff's YouTube channel, I actually interviewed him and Rob McDermott a couple years ago, right around the time his book came out. Whoa, that's crazy. I honestly, you know, assuming the guy's been truthful, 
I feel so bad for him because he got dealt an incredibly raw deal where, uh, first of all, he put Chester in the band. So they owe him basically everything. And it's, I mean, what Warner Brothers, it sounds like someone at Warner Brothers, maybe he's fudging this one to save face, but somebody at Warner Brothers was like, this band's not working with Mike in it. Can you go down and tell them to maybe get rid of Mike? Am I right? You know yeah. that guy. Am I right? Yeah. Well, no, the, we know that that actually happened because like they, it was, it's the same story as like, if you listen to the Fort Minor record, when Mike's talking about how they wanted him to quit rapping and just play keyboards or whatever. But Mike, but Mike took that hard. Like, I don't think they ever talked again after that. Yeah. I, I think that really hurt their, Mike didn't trust him anymore after that. I, it's almost, it's honestly <clears throat> kind of fucked up. Like I would like to get Mike's, I hope I get to get Mike's side of that someday. Cause it seems like that was really, really harsh. Because at the end of the day, he wasn't fired or replaced with Mad Lion. True story. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's a true story. They tried to replace him with dance hall rapper Mad Lion, which there's a sliding doors moment for you. Boy, this wouldn't this conversation wouldn't be happening if that had happened. We'd still be talking about Ska. We'd still be. (laughs) (laughs) We wouldn't be here now. We would be like, yeah, Lincoln Park, man, they had potential, but. Mad Lion, weird fit. So anyway, Ska, <laughs> the new Ska agenda. Um, man, wait, what else can you tell me about Jeff Blue? Because like that's, and then I mean, so they cast him from the Lincoln Park inner circle. So he's like, well, I'll go fucking find my own Lincoln Park. And then he signs Dry Cell, and that goes horribly. Although I did kind of like some of the Dry Cell stuff. Not gonna lie. So weird. I can't believe how much the dude would just like. Jeff had to have been in the studio and be like, sing like Chester, or you're fired, because. Yeah, and now he's singing for Stone Temple Pilots. Go figure. Really weird. Really weird. Do you, are you guys familiar with Dry Cell? Anyone else in the room? A little bit. I Zero actually, I saw, time. I was at Aftershock in Sacramento last year, and I saw Stone Temple Pilots with Jeff Gutt. That guy, I, he has a good voice, but it's it's weird how like all these roads intertwine. I know. It's so weird. I mean, that's, Especially because Chester was also the singer of Stone Temple Pilots. So it's like, wow. Right. Perfect fit, I guess. Um, yeah, so that is that is a weird part of the story, though, is the Jeff Blue saga. And I really would like to know more about how that happened because, I mean, I, you know, I read Jeff Blue's book. I don't think Mike's got a – is there is Mike published a book? No, I he think he should. should. Yeah, that would be a good book. He'll get around to it. But I'm I'm curious. I think there's more sides of that story than what just Jeff Blue is saying because Jeff Blue signed the fucking band. He like shopped them to all those labels. He helped make them. So for this one incident to sever their relationship forever, I'm I'm really curious. Like what the you know what what happened? So but that's yeah, that is a that is its own story. But the Mad Lion thing, really crazy. That was whew, somebody was doing a little too much of that that Warner Brothers grade cocaine if you're gonna try to pitch Mad Lion as the fucking Lincoln Park rapper. They're just throwing shit at the wall at that point. Man, that they didn't era. know. They didn't know Dick. Imagine <laughs> knowing what we know now. Going to Mike Shinoda in '99, being like, "You ever thought about giving up rap? <laughs> what if That's you like just that. did keyboards?" <laughs> so, somebody got a hold of a stash of that 1984 cocaine. Somebody was somebody was flying and really made <laughs> they a. They they put snorted the cocaine and they put on some reggae music. They're like guys. I have a fucking idea for you. This Lincoln Park thing. Imagine if you had Raga, right? No, just hear me out. 
Maybe imagine I would imagine if Lincoln Park was from the Caribbean. We're selling millions. I bet there is a Caribbean reggae flavored Lincoln Park cover band. I bet you I, I would bet you all say anything. I know there's there's a reggae cover band who's done like Dark Side of the Moon and OK Computer. <laughs> and they're actually phenomenal. The fucking OK Computer reggae album is so good. Have you listened to I it? It's incredible. You just, just brought that up. I can't believe you just brought up the <laughs> OK incredible. Computer reggae album. It's so they just called like the the Dub All Stars or something like yes. that. Yes, yeah. All-Star, yeah. Easy Star. Oh yeah, they're playing at a festival <laughs> that's happening like 15 minutes from my house. I really want to see them. Is that we're talking about that now? Yeah, the rendition of Let Down they did for that album is Yo, phenomenal. I swear to God, I'll stand by it. The electioneering reggae version is just miles better than the normal version. Oh. I got to go check this out when we're off this call. I'm going straight to that because I don't remember how that <laughs> one goes. I just remember thinking the letdown one was gorgeous. So they did a dub tribute to Lincoln Park, too. I know. No way. Is it? Fire? Hold on a sec. It's got to be. Hold on a sec. I got the CD. No way. Man's dedicated. I want him to bring his whole Lincoln Park record collection back. Look, he's going in the vault. He's going in the vault. Yeah, these are the LP Live archives. The LP he's Live dust- archives. He's dusting off the server <laughs> as we speak. Dub tribute to Lincoln Park. Dub tri- is it good? Oh is it good? God. It's. I haven't listened what's, to it in a long what's time. What's on this? It's all what's hybrid theory. Uh, Somewhere I belong. One step closer. Crawling. Points of authority. Hit the floor. Points of authority. Dub version. Uh, in the end, paper cut. Numb. A place for my head. And then there's an original song at the end called Double Parked. Double oh, Parked. Wow. If you want to check this out. I I want to I want to wrap this section up. We're gonna do. I want to do. I don't want to tire you guys out too much, but I do want to talk a little bit about Collision Course as part of like a little side episode that we're gonna do. I do think that this just about takes care of it for Meteora, though. Uh, okay. Really great record. They they really pulled off a real coup d'état on this one by coming back that second time around and living up to some impossible expectations and creating one of the best gamer rock albums ever. What is everyone's favorite song off the album? I think mine is Don't Stay. I really think that one just goes all the way in and really hits that perfect blend of being super heavy and super catchy at the same time. And yeah, I think that one's mine. I think for me, it changes a lot, to be honest. But it's funny you said you hated this song because I actually, From the Inside, is one of my favorite songs they've ever made. I I, I I didn't say I hated it. I mean, it's, I'm grading on a really steep curve. Yeah, that's like fair. That's you know fair. what I mean? Yeah, I know what you mean. But um, it it's between from the inside and faint, and only because with faint, they play when I think starting in like 2007, they started adding this like outro where they just jammed to like the bridge part and like they did a whole guitar solo. Oh yeah, that shit is so fire. So every time I hear the song, I can't hear it without that ending part. And I'm just like, damn. Do you ever wonder if they called you up on stage to do the faint guitar part, would you be able to do it? Well, we actually, I played with Mike and Anthony has played faint. No, I haven't. What? Did you not? (laughs) What? I asked and they said no. Damn. What? Wait, what? Wait, Wait, okay. So am I the only, have I played? I have played, but. Dylan waited till now for this. Yeah, you, you played during mike's solo tour. i played yeah i played when mike did a, his solo tour how did that lincoln tell Park. us the story <laughs> it was actually i actually asked him and then he said no because someone else asked but i was like yo i'm a, a part of lp live i went to like where was it? it was pier 7 
it was Pier 17. It was a really cool venue in New York. We we're just on a rooftop. I got like the LPU meet and greet. So I got to go in. I got to watch the sound check for him, which was crazy because he actually played like a meteor like B side for the only time ever called Dedicated. I was like, shit, I can't believe this man just whipped this out of the bag. But then like we were doing like the whole like meet meeting like Mike and like he signed my record. And I was like, can I play a song with you? And he was like, oh, someone already asked for it today. But if you're because he was like, oh, you're on LP live. So you're probably coming tomorrow. Do you want to play in Philly with me? And I was like, fuck, yeah. So I just play it was a song is it was roads untraveled from living things. But I was like, they were like, OK, when you hear this song, come backstage. And then I was like, shit, my time has come. God how damn. did they? And they're just like, they're like, he probably knows how to play the song. <laughs> they must. Because I don't, it was kind of tr- a tradition. I know they did it a lot during the Meteora tour, where they would let a dude up during faint. Yeah, and but like half the time, the guy would just get up there and like he'd never touched a guitar before. It would be like, "What the fuck is this?" Really? So I yeah. So I was just like, I cannot fuck this one up. Yeah, I would never. I would either know exactly how to do it or stand in the <laughs> dude. I swear, I got back to my dorm room and I practiced, bro. I was like, I'm I'm not fucking this one up. And luckily, luckily for me, most of like me learning how to play music was me reading Anthony's tabs and learning how to play Linkin Park songs. I was like, okay, you're fucking welcome. (laughs) (laughs) You you played up there in spirit. Trust me, man. That's wild. They they just they just trust you know the song. Dude, yeah, they didn't like they didn't have me like sound check or shit. They were just like, come up and don't fuck it up. Who was on stage? Was it? Did he have a full band at this time? Yeah, he kind of, it was him, he had a drummer, and, like, he had, like, a multi-instrumentalist, but I basically, I took the, his, like, backup guitarist guitar and played it. That's super cool. That's so cool. I almost don't want to ask Anthony about his experience. (laughs) (laughs) I, um, I got a meet and greet for uh, a show on the A Thousand Suns tour at the Excel Energy Center in St. Paul, and, um, you know, just going down the line, getting stuff signed uh, by the band members. You know, I get to the end. Mike's the last guy on the end. And I just told I told him, hey, I'm Anthony. I'm the guy that like they had just done a show in Australia where one of my other LP live friends had gotten up on stage and played. And he was like, hey, thank you for having tabs and taught me how to play the song. Um, so I said, hey, he he said that I should get a chance to do it when you're over here in the States. And he goes, Oh no, we, we decided as a band that we're not doing that on this tour. Damn. Got to respect someone, it. Someone, gotta see, respect someone it. fucked it up before you got to go. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody got up there and just stole the guitar. They just ran. <laughs> they ran away. Like, oh, but, oh, but I do, I do have the, um, I can say that I reminded them what tuning one of their songs was in. Oh, <laughs> bro, there is no way Brad like still has a job without you. There's no, <laughs> no way he didn't look at your tabs at least one point. Well, in well no. Okay, so what happened was when they played Hybrid Theory in its entirety at Download Festival in 2013, 2014, whatever it was, Sean Payton hadn't quit working for Brad yet at the time. So he called me one day. He goes, hey. So they're playing Hybrid Theory in full, and they haven't played Forgotten since 2002. What the heck? They're like, what, what the hell is, is this? I, I know really? that you know. So. Wait, wait, wait. What tuning is it in? 
it's an E flat. It's there's like two songs on Hybrid Theory that aren't drop tuned. Oh no shit! Because yeah, I was just sitting one... here, I was like, it's in drop C sharp, like it, like every other damn song they seem. Yeah, to write. no, that was forgotten and a place for my head or E flat. And you're like, and you're like, well, why don't you just fly me out and I'll show you? Yeah, who needs Brad? Who needs Brad? You're like, who the fuck? like, listen, I I know these parts. It's Hybrid Theory. Come on, I'm I'm born from this. That's funny they wouldn't know that tuning though, man. Well, glad you were on hand for that one. And uh, yeah, so what's your LP? Who says LP Live was for nothing? Played a song in yeah. over a decade. Maybe that makes sense. Who? So, what's your favorite Meteora track? Um, probably "Lying from You." That is a really it's, good one. The it, it's just I I love the kind of Doppler effect sort of sounds that are in it, and it's one of my favorite guitar parts to play. It's it's just a really fun song. Big chorus that really that really like archetypical trade off between Mike and and uh, Chester sort of going back and forth on the rapping and the singing. Yeah, it's a really good one. Sure. Cran. Line from you. I got to go with Anthony on this one. Z, I well, with a caveat that I think my favorite riff on the album is Somewhere I Belong. Somewhere Figure I Belong nine. is pretty cool. Um, inter- it's got a lot of layering in the guitar parts. Yeah, uh, really well produced. Z, what was yours? Figure nine. Figure nine. How does the what's the chorus lyric to figure nine? I always forget and how that you become a Right, 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 right. That was, that one is really I can't good. sing. I do like <laughs> Oh, that you one. nailed it. Is that yeah. the one that is that know. the one that starts with nothing ever stops, but the thoughts and the pain attack? Yeah, nothing ever stops. stops. Okay. That one jumped into my brain the other day, you know. Good one, Mike. Just all of a sudden I was figure like, nine, figure nine, they did they used to do this transition. Like they'd play this like extended ending to it that transitioned straight into from the inside. And it was that was one of the most insane live things they ever did. What tour? I think it was the like it was the last Meteora tour, I think, 2004. Project Revolution. Yeah, yeah. It was called like Blood Anger Suffering. <laughs> I was like, what the fuck, man? Um well, great. Now I got to go change my answer because none of you said it. I guess I'm going to change my answer to breaking the habit. I thought this is way too ordinary. Someone will say breaking <laughs> the habit. I think breaking the habit is brilliant. And like, man, I wish they had took that sound further of being like new metal, but also moving into this sort of. That song is crazy because it's so it's such a like a soft but intense song on such a al- an album that's so guitar driven otherwise. Yeah, and it's the only song off that record that sounds nothing like Hybrid Theory. Like, no way they could have ever made that before. And the singing is really good. The melodies are clean and very direct. I mean, it's it's another one of those those productions where it's like you could have gave this to anyone and it would have been a hit. You know, nobody could have don't don't get me wrong. Nobody could have sang it like Chester. But it is the kind of production where you're like, this dude was just writing some killer pop songs. So I love that. I fucking love that song. And that one would probably be my favorite off the record since I can't try to be the cool guy anymore. Everyone's picking deep cuts. Everyone's what, picking what was your cuts. cool guy answer? Uh, don't don't stay. And I still adore okay. that song, but everyone's picking deep cuts. So fine, I'll go with the single, but I'm going to say well, don't I'm, stay. I'm very happy to hear nobody picked easier to run. If I heard if I heard someone say hit the floor, I'd have to leave. <laughs> I I don't like or I nobody's listening. I don't like the nobody's listening. I'm not a fan of Mike's like kind of sour grape sort of backpack rap like he was getting <laughs> kind of angry at 
specific things. It wasn't just like the pain inside. Like suddenly he's got like a bone to pick with people. And, like, <laughs> yeah, it was like, why is this dude so pissed with this flute in the background? Like, what's going on? I know, and it's like, <laughs> it's like, it's like, bro, you are not Pharaoh Monch. I'm sorry, this is <laughs> you are not Black Thought, bro. Like, this is not where you come in and you're dropping bombs. Like, I don't, because to me, to me, it's like I think that Hybrid Theory would have been much worse if High Voltage was in the album. And to me, nobody's listening feels like high voltage made it into the album. So that's always been to me, that's always been like the weakest cut. Uh does any do we have any nobody's listening defenders in the building? I don't hate it. I don't hate it either. Ooh, I think it's not- one of their weakest songs. I've it, never really seen anyone defend that song, I feel like. That one has always bugged the shit out of me. It's You're just- gonna get a really lukewarm defense here, Dylan. It's fine. All right, that's fair. That's you about all. It's fine. I, my my hands are up. <laughs> I bet the guitar. Nobody's I bet the, listening. Wins. I bet the guitar part on that's really easy. Oh my god! Yeah, there's barely any guitar in that. Two, I think two, it was so easy. Like Brad and Phoenix switched instruments sometimes on the song. Yeah, like, sure. yo, you you want to play this one fret on the other instrument for a while? I'm sure the bass is pretty easy too. Right. All right. Well, that does wrap that one up. And uh, I'd like to really thank our guests for joining us. If you are listening in now, just know that you can stay tuned. There will be a little bonus clip at the end here as we go over the legacy of the extremely weird moment in history known as Collision Course. Uh, but thank you guys for tuning in for the numb section of this. I am Holly Kirk with the New Metal Agenda.